For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kane is in the building. With Hollywood code, I'm with Molly G, bro. Flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows, and what I want to tell you something. Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy Authority Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Steele. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyRath. 13. Joined as always as my phone vibrates. Cody Kutzer, you can find him on Twitter at CKutzerFF. How you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. We had a uh had the first batch of Scott Fishbowl invites go out, so that's always got. Twitter a buzz and talking and everyone sharing their screenshots of getting invited. And then, of course, you always have a couple of assholes just bitching that they didn't get their invites and complaining as if that's going to be the way in. But we have to focus on the positive. And we also got news beforehand. I don't know if I don't think we've ever talked hockey, me and you. I don't know if you're if you're a fan or not, but uh, it seems like they are gearing up and making plans for for return to NHL, which is which is awesome. So pumped about that yeah and meanwhile you have uh, major league baseball over here haggling over uh their money and <laughs> i somewhat understand the players you but at the same time i'm still kind of like the, the other option is zero like you know like i get that they're you know they have to play and everything else and i'm certainly not one that takes the owner's side which seems like most fans do um, i'm all for the players getting their money but I don't know. Like it's it's kind of a tough one because you're only playing half the games. Whatever. I'm not gonna go go down the rabbit hole. It just seems it's it's one of those tough things because I, on one hand I'm like you know I get it where they're coming from the players because they're the one putting together all the risk and all the um, they're the ones taking on on the risk while the play while the owners get to sit up in their press box and bring in the money. I understand all that and so I get that part of it. But at the same time I'm kind of like yeah, but the other the other alternative is zero. So I don't know. But regardless of that, I'm not one. Like I said, I don't want to spend too. I'm not going to sit here and we could go on a whole conversation about that. But yeah, it seems like most sports are going to be back. NASCAR is back. MMA is back. Uh, I mean, NFL continues to bounce to pound that table that they're uh, they're going to have fans in the stands come or come September. That seems still ridiculous. But you know, again, they they came out and said I think the Miami Dolphins owner said that he fully expects to have uh, fans in the stands come September. Yeah, man, it's uh, it gives us something to look forward to for sure with with everything that's going on, and uh, it seems like NCAA is starting to gear up toward that as well. Where they're, I think they came out and said that you know they're leaving it up to the individual universities as of now, but they're allowing them to potentially start uh, off season programs. So there's a there's a light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah, thank God. So. Um, you know, I think everything other than that, I do want to say if you listened to last week's show, mainly the front lines of fantasy, one, we appreciate it. Two, I greatly apologize because uh, some people, I guess Cody says that he didn't think it sounded that bad. It made my ears bleed how bad my audio was because I didn't realize how loud the mic was turned up and everything else, the problems I had with it. So I apologize for that. If anybody listened to it, I promise you it's not going to be that way going forward. I didn't realize it until after the pod and I tried to fix it as much as I could. I couldn't. So actually I went out and bought another new mic. The one I had, I had for a couple of years, the blue Yeti. I just went and bought the brand new blue Yeti X that came out. I think like last September or something like that. Brand new just came out. So now uh, just because of that, I couldn't take it. I had to go buy a new mic. So now I have a new mic and hopefully that never happens again. So I, again, I apologize. 
anyways, let's get right down to business, right? People let's are coming here it. for the content, right? They come here for us to talk about our problems. So let's talk about the must-own second-year players. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And as we get into it, like to be honest with you, when you look at this year's class of rookies, like we're so hyped. I don't remember last year's class being as hyped as what this year's was. And I'm going to be honest, the rookie wide receivers from last year – I think you could put that up against 2014's class that we always talk about how great that rookie wide receiver class is. The 2019 rookie wide receiver class, I still think it's going to be tough for 2020 rookie class to be able to beat the, the last year's class and how deep it was. I know there was a lot of players there that people didn't expect to be as good as they were in year one. And maybe, you know, some of these guys will fade off a little bit. But right now, I mean, it looks like, you know, six, seven, eight of these guys are, are fantasy relevant right off the gate last year. And then heading into this year, I mean, we're seeing some of these guys go incredibly high in drafts. So, you know, for, for for all the hype that 2020 or 2020 has gotten in terms of its rookies, and, you know, rightfully so, I still think it's going to be tough for it to be as deep as what this year's was. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think you hit on the reason why is that we weren't really expecting it, right? Like, th- like there were just a lot of guys who came out and produced above our expectations. They may did not have the uh, the hype going into it. So it seems like there's not as much not as much fanfare and talk about it with, uh, with, with this year's, with this year's class. So it's just, it's just wild. So anyways, we wanted to kind of uh, look at some of the guys and for our own individual's perspective, we kind of put them into a list. Well, some of us actually answered the questions that we were supposed to and finished the actual questions beforehand. Some of us didn't. So it's going to be a surprise for me what Cody does. Cause Cody, Per usual, didn't didn't uh, fill out the show sheet that I you know that I spent all day putting together for him and uh, making sure it was pristine. And I got no responses, so I have no idea where he's at. So why don't we just start this thing off and uh, you know start with uh, we'll start with the running backs here. We're gonna go through and we're gonna talk about you know would we draft? Basically, we're looking at their current ADP and would we draft them at at their current ADP or would we pass on them? And so. That, that's what we used. And for the record, we went and used uh, Best Ball 10's ADP for the last seven days so we can kind of get the most up-to-date ADP. So let's go ahead and start with the group. And let's start with the running backs. First up, of course, is Josh Jacobs from last year. Um, he's currently going at 15th overall or the 203 RB11. Uh, Cody, draft or pass? I am actually going to pass here. Um, I... This one's difficult for me because I feel like he. This is where he should be going. Like what? Whenever we did our um, our early look at a at a mock draft, was that last week or the week before? The the running backs are flying off early and often, and because of that, guys like Jacobs are going to get pushed up. So positionally, he's going at RB ten. Um, and I, I think that's where he should be going in terms of positionally, but like that that ADP is just a little a little too early for me right now because we did not see the passing game involvement from him last year. He only had twenty seven targets, which is weird because that was one of the things that you know a lot of us really liked about Josh Jacobs is he could function as an actual receiver. He wasn't just a dump off guy. He had a, we saw a lot of highlights from him at Bama where he looked like an actual wide receiver out there running routes, running down the middle of the field and not just catching screens and dump offs. So of course it's possible that he gets used more uh, in that manner this year, but it just seemed so, so odd last year they, that they did not use him in that way. And they tried saying that it was because of his shoulder injury, but common sense would say to me that if he has a shoulder injury, instead of banging him into the offensive and defensive lines, You'd want to use him in the in the passing game and get him outside of the box. But regardless, as of right now, I'm I'm going to pass on that ADP just because he's going to have to have a Derrick Henry esque year if his passing game involvement does not tick up. And that's just something that I just can't I can't bet on. 1500 yards and what did he have like 16 total touchdowns 18 total touchdowns or something like that um so i'm going to pass what say you mr Steele? i am definitely in the category of draft um i really like josh jacobs heading in this year i'm higher on him than probably most if you look at him last year i think he played well is it 13 games that he played in last year that, that he ended up missing Correct. Uh, regardless he, missed- he still had 1100 yards so he averaged 14.7 fantasy points per game. 
Uh, meanwhile, he had 64.6% of the opportunity share in the bat in that backfield. Uh, the Raiders last year were 27.3 run plays per game, which was eleventh. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, he had 242 carries, only had 20 the 28 targets, 1,100 rushing yards, uh, seven touchdowns, which was 17th. 44, 44 red zone touches, which was 11th most, and some of the other stuff that uh, with him that 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 I that I like to see was the 30.9 juke rate, 81 evaded tackles, and 463 yards created, which was all top 10 in the league. So you look at those things on top of the fact that he was a pretty consistent producer last year. He had five RB one weeks, two RB two weeks, and four RB three weeks. So I mean, just about every week he played. I mean, he was a uh, where some of these other guys will have, you know, got where they were completely unstartable and, and stuff like that. So for him, he 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 takes over that backfield. Yes, I do agree that Jalen Richard is there, and I do agree that that is somewhat of an issue that he is going to get less targets because of that. But I still think that he could probably end up seeing somewhere in that forty to fifty range of targets increase this year, and you know, sit somewhere around that fifty range, fifty target range, and then with, with we already know that he is going to command that backfield he is going to get all the touches and if this offense can actually take a step forward last year because that's something that we didn't see you know from them last year was basically it was what for most weeks it was darren waller hunter renfro baby yeah i mean they didn't have anything else so i think this offense as a whole with the addition of henry ruggs uh stretching the field kind of open things up gets some of those defenders outside of the box where you're not just focusing on jace josh jacobs the entire time and then you also look at some other things like you know, Brian Edwards, the the dude, um, and Darren Waller. That's so dude. with all the additions they've made, I think this actually helps Josh Jacobs too as well. So I like Josh Jacobs. I have no problem taking him where he's going. And I have no, you know, if you want to take him late first, early second, that's where probably where I'd be looking to take him. So like if you want to pair like J- Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs, I think that would be a great, you know, back half of the draft hall. Yeah, for for sure. Like I said, I I think it's where he should be going, but there are just some guys going after him that I'd rather have. Like as of right now, Tyreek Hill is going literally right after him. I'd rather have Hill. I'd rather have D Hop. But like like I said, with what the way that running backs are coming off of boards, this is where he's going to be going. He's not going to drop too much further from here. Maybe you know, give or take a couple of spots. Um, but I, I'm just going to have to pass because in order for him to pay off that, I mean, that, that's an early pick you're using on him. In order for him to pay that off, he's either A, going to have to see uh, the, like double targets of what he saw last year, and you just laid out the fact that they have added all these weapons now, and then or B, it's going to have to be a Derrick Henry kind of season, and that's just not something that you know we're going to bet on too often. So the only difference is, I'll say, I mean, he's not Derrick Henry, right? Like he is a more than right. capable pass catcher. And right, right, right. So we'll see. Like, it, does he end up being used like Marlon Mack? I guess that would be the better comparison, where he gets limited opportunities to be a receiver. I don't know. I know they've said all offseason that they want to get him more involved in the passing game, and we know that he can do that. That was one like the one thing that yeah. people were happy about and thought that he could really excel at at the next level. And we didn't really get to see that last year. So I think the, I think the upside's there for that. And that's why I feel like if he does get that, I feel like I think that he has an opportunity to be a top five running back. I think he's one of those guys for me that sit in that range. So we'll see. But like I said, I have no problem taking him where he's going. Next up is Miles Sanders, which uh, I absolutely love Miles Sanders. And I believe, yeah, so we both agree on him. So I don't think we need to go back and forth on that. But he is currently going 16th overall, one pick after him at the 204. Uh, Miles Sanders uh, did not see the same opportunities that that Josh Jacobs did last year. He averaged 13.5 fantasy points per game, which was 21st. He only had 48.4 opportunity share. Uh, they were a pretty run-heavy team last, last year as well with 28.4 run plays per game. He had 36 red zone touches, which is something you'd like to see. 32.8 juke rate, which was 5th. 75 evaded tackles, 345 yards created, which was 15th, and then 5.8 uh, yards per touch, which was 7th, and then 1.51 yards uh, created per touch. And again, he was uh, another guy that was uh, 5 RB1 weeks, 2 RB2, 4 RB3 weeks, and then 5 RB4 and beyond weeks. Um, but if you look at the weeks 11th through 16th, he finishes RB2 or better in four of the six weeks. So he got really consistent once Jordan Howard went down. So I know with him, he is – probably one of the guys that's being most talked about right now in fantasy circles where people are either on board with him, think that he's being way overdrafted. And, you know, it was a couple weeks ago when we had the Carlos Hyde news come out that the the Eagles were interested in bringing him in. Obviously, Carlos Hyde signed with the Seahawks, so that's not an issue. But I feel like this is a situation 
where if you're opposed to Miles Sanders, anybody they sign, they could sign LaShawn McCoy and people are going to like, oh, yep, see, drop him down the rankings, boys. Miles Sanders is cooked. And I'm like, we're talking about a 30-year-old running back or 32-year-old running back, I guess, that LaShawn McCoy is, right? Like, LaShawn McCoy's dust. Like, there's not really a running back. Even if they brought in Devonta Freeman, it really wouldn't bother me. I don't know even know why they feel the need to bring in another running back, but regardless of that, I still think Miles Sanders owns this backfield. I think he gets something up more closer to the 60, 65% range in terms of opportunity share. We already know he's going to be heavily utilized as a pass catcher. He had 63 targets last year and 50 receptions, which was 12th most, and he is 7th most receiving yards with 509. There's everything to like about Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders could you know end up with 100 targets this year, and it really wouldn't surprise me. So I love Miles Sanders. And I probably would actually have him above Josh Jacobs in terms of my pecking order of wh- which way I want them. Yep, I completely agree there. He's one of the players uh, that I would rather have over him go at their respective 80. Like, they're not going that far apart, but I'd rather have Sanders a couple picks later. Um, he already has that passing game involvement that, you know, we wanted to see from Jacobs last year. 50 catches, 509 yards, and three touchdowns through the air. 63 targets. So, I think... And like you, you put it perfectly. To me, it doesn't matter who they bring in. If you're against him, you're going to use that against him. Um, and for me, like I said, it doesn't matter if they bring anyone in. They probably will. It kind of seems like it's been trending that way anyway. Um, and I, I kind of hope people look at that and they they do drop him down because of it. But I will not be one of them. And I think this is uh, you, you talked about Jacobs ending up as a as a top five fantasy running back, and I think Sanders could also fall into that into that uh, place as well. No, I hundred percent agree. You're not going to hear any disagreement from me on that. So I don't think we have anything else to say on him. I think it's pretty clear cut. We're both on the same page. So yep. let's go to David Montgomery. Or actually, let's go to Devin Singletary because he's actually uh, higher up in the ADP. And right now, Devin Singletary, which I was surprised because I really felt like he was somebody that was going to fall pretty significantly in drafts because of the Zach Moss signing. And it doesn't really seem like that's happened again. I mean, this is from the last seven days. So this is about as as good of data you're going to find. Now, it is best ball. So uh, take that in a little bit of consideration. But still, like, I mean, he's going 37th overall on 401. Like, I thought he was going to fall. And I, I still think it's possible as we get further along here once we get closer to August that his ADP continues to drop. But right now he's going at 37th overall, 401, RB20, and that's just too high for me. Like that's where I had him pre-Zach Moss. And now like I feel like he's much more in that RB3 type range because he's still going to get the pass catching work. So in PPR leagues, he's still going to have value. And I, I do think there's some things about him to, to like. I just think that he's being overvalued right now in terms of where he's currently going that I would just rather have some different options there. Um, in the beginning of the fourth round. But, I mean, he was very – he was super efficient last year, and that's kind of something that I think that would worry me a little bit, that that's going to fall off a little bit. But he played in 12 games, uh, averaged 20, 12.3 fantasy points per game, uh, did play 69% of the snaps, only had 151 t- uh, carries, 42 targets, 29 receptions, uh, almost had 1,000 yards, four touchdowns. So, so there, you know, with, with Singletary, there is some lots of like there. But if you look at his efficiency numbers, 33.3 juke rate, which was third. He had 316 yards created. Uh, that's ninth, uh, ninth mo- or 19th most. But he only had one goal line carry. And I, I don't think that's going to change. So, like, like I don't think – I was never really expecting him to have that huge of a role with that anyways. And then bringing in Zach Moss, I think Zach Moss just kind of fills that Frank, goal, Frank Gore role, who had 166 carries of his own last year. And 13 receptions. He also had 11 goal line carries. But I think people, when they talk about Zach Moss, they act like Frank Gore, when he's going to play that role, like Frank Gore had a, a ton of goal line touches. And I mean, 11 goal line touches is fine, but like it's it's certainly not anything to brag about because you also have the Josh Allen that's there who's going to get goal line touches. So with everything considered, like I don't I don't love Zach Moss either. But with Devin Singletary, if he were to go in like fifth or sixth round in like PPR formats, I'd probably feel a little more comfortable taking him there. But I'm not going to touch him at 37th overall. Me either. He's going to be a pass for me as well. And whenever I first saw this on the show sheet, so even though that I did not fill in my answers until very late, I will let you know. I don't want you to be too heartbroken. I did at least look at the show sheet. And whenever I saw that what his ADP was, I was like, this can't be right. Like Kevin forgot to like set the date to the past week. This has to be, you know, the ADP counting it from February until now. But sure enough, man, he's that's that is where he's going. And that, like you said, that it, that is too high. If 
that would have been the range I would have had him in had they not drafted someone as highly as they did. But you already touched on everything that the carries that he's going to take away. And the big one is going to be Josh Allen. And he's, he has those schemed specifically for him goal line rushes, right? So first you have, first you have Zach Moss taking him away. Then you have Josh Allen taking him away. So that's going to completely drop his value for me. So I'm also out on his current ADP. So, all right. So we both agree on that one. Then when you have De- David Montgomery, which we also both agree with as well, who's currently going 48th overall, which is wild to me because like he is going to be the workhorse in the backfield in terms yep. of the early down work, goal line work and everything else. And he is going, you know, almost a full round later, he's going at 412. You look at him and I mean, he struggled last year. There's, there's no denying that that offense wasn't fantastic either with what, you know, Chase Daniel and Ch- Mr. Trubisky, but he averaged 10.7 fantasy points per game. He did almost have 60% of the opportunity shares, but they weren't a team that ran the ball a ton. They were t- 24.7 run plays per game, which was 21st. But I mean, he ended up with 242 carries, 15 a game, 35 targets, 25 receptions. Like, there's lots of like there. He just wasn't efficient with them. And so if you look at it, I mean, he ended up with almost 900 rushing yards, 185 receiving yards, 35 red zone touches, which is you love to see that. 28.1 juke rate, which was 13th, 75 evaded tackles. Like there's there's lots of like there, but his, his true yard per carry was 56th in the league with 3.5. So, I mean, he just was somebody that was never that consistent. He only had two RB1 weeks, three RB2 weeks, three RB3 weeks, and eight RB4 weeks. So more often than not, you didn't know when to start him or when to play him. But at least projecting into this year, I think, you know, if he sticks around that fifth round range, like I, I'm feeling pretty good about that because I do think that there's something to like here. If Nick Foles can end up taking a step forward this year or not taking a step forward, but bounce back from the, you know, the injury re- year he had last year, I do think he's going to be the starter. They have the pieces with Allen Robinson, who I think is always undervalued, should be looked at as a wide receiver one. You have Tariq Cohen there that who helps out the offense as the pass catching back, you know, Anthony Miller, the 47 tight ends that they think they need. You know, so I do think this offense can be better than when it was last year, and I think if that only will help David Montgomery if they use David Montgomery correctly, which more often than not they didn't last year. So with all that being said, like I, I will take him where he's going. Now, if he goes up higher than this, and all of a sudden we start to get some hype train like happened last year with David Montgomery, and he starts going like third round, I'm probably out on that. But it, right currently, right now, late fourth, early fifth, I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah, for sure. I'm not gonna don't have too much more to add to this. He just seems like one of those guys who was who was hyped up last year. He disappointed, and now everyone is just completely out on him for for whatever reason. Do like the situation. I mean, last year that offense just was not good. It was Allen Robinson, and forget about everything else until Anthony Miller went on that tear at the end of the year that he had. So, like we've been talking about, the theme this year with with drafts is going to be bell cow running backs going early and often and the fact that you can get a someone who's going to have the majority of the running back touches he's even going to be involved in the passing game Tariq Cohn is still going to get his targets and he's obviously still going to be involved because he's a weapon they have to use there Um, the fact that you can get somebody with 240 to 250 rush uh, upside with David Montgomery this late you you gotta you gotta like that are there any of these other like handcuff type of running backs that you like? So the the second year guys that we're kind of looking at here, uh, Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison, Justice Hill, Ryquell Armstead. Any of these second year running backs that are you know in handcuff uh, range here? Any of them that you are interested in or that you will be targeting kind of currently where they're going? Well, to start off, so you look at Daryl Henderson. Like Daryl Henderson is intriguing, right? Like he was another guy that was super hyped, you know, last year. I remember, you know, we talked about it all last offseason, heading up into the drafts, like saying that anybody taking Daryl Henderson in the seventh, eighth round should be drug tested immediately because that is ridiculous, and it obviously didn't work out. Now, heading into this year, you know, there was that brief moment before they drafted Cam Akers where people were starting to get a little excited about him. Now, I still think that that Cam Akers is one hundred percent going to be the starter there in that backfield. Yeah. Um, I think we saw enough from Daryl Henderson, but he does have some upside there in that offense. And so I don't hate it. If he sticks around where he's going right now, it's 112th overall at RB 45. Like, I don't hate that. And I think there's definitely some upside there because Cam Akers isn't a slam dunk to just walk in and take 60, 70% of that backfield. Like I could end up being more of a 50, 50 split, something like that. And I mean, Daryl Henderson is, has shown like in college 
how efficient he can be as a runner. So we'll see if he can bounce back this year. So if he sticks around there, I don't hate that as a late round flyer. But for me, my absolute two favorite guys is definitely Tony Pollard and definitely Alexander Madison. Like both of these guys have RB1 upside. If anything happens to Ezekiel Elliott or Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook is certainly not a lock to stay healthy. Like he is somebody who has struggled with health. And so I, I love Alexander Madison. I mean, Alexander Madison, super explosive running back. He right now is going at RB 49, which I don't understand. I think I feel like he should be going a little higher than that. Maybe because I do think that he could end up having his own role this year and maybe have some um, usable weeks, even with Dalvin Cook still in the offense, because they do want to run the ball so much. But with Alexander Madison, I mean, he only averaged 5.3 fantasy points per game, but he only played 21% of the snaps. Uh, you know, the, the, we know the Vikings like to run the ball. They they had the fourth most rush attempts per game last year, but he only had 100 carries, 12 targets. But he had 462 rushing yards, 82 receiving yards, one touchdown. So there, there is lots of like there. And he did have 190 yards created. And then the same thing with Tony Pollard. I think Tony Pollard is a guy that's probably going to have a little bit more opportunity as well. Um, maybe dial back a little bit on Zeke. But overall, I think both these two, like if I'm coming away, you know, in, the, in these later rounds of drafts, like I, these are the guys that I want. Swing straight for upside. Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard have that in spades. I love both of them. And the other guy that I really like is Ryquel Armstead. This is going to be a tough one because between him and then I know the uh, people like uh, Azigbo as well, who's there in Jacksonville, but I really like Rockwell Armstead and kind of what he brings to the table. Like the dude has upper percentile, is an upper percentile athlete, ran a 4.45, which was 91st percentile, 112.2 speed score. And while right now, obviously it's Leonard Fournette's backfield, which is in a contract year, but if anything happens to Leonard Fournette, it is absolutely wheels up for Rockwell Armstead and so he's another guy who right now is going 171st overall, 15.03, which is almost going undrafted at this point. Um, I think that could change a little bit, but he's not going to go much further than that. And so I really like Raquel Armstead and somebody that I'm targeting late in drafts as well that I feel like also has that golden ticket upside. Yeah, for sure. Um, Armstead does run similarly to Fournette as well, where he's basically just going to try and run through you instead of try and run around you. So he he's definitely an interesting guy. Madison, I, w- I would I'd rather have Madison for sure over Henderson, who's going around before him at 10.04 versus Madison going at 11.06, because I think Madison in he has that he has that complete league winning upside if something happens to cook and obviously we have seen cook unable to stay healthy for a full 16 uh since he's come into the league but i think he also has that standalone value as well where you know he could especially in best ball formats he could you know end up end his way in your starting lineups on on weeks where cook is healthy and you know i mean and not missing time someone who's who's interesting to me just because of the I, I guess just the, the the unknown with this offense and with how the uh, who appears to be the the RB one right now is that that Patriots backfield and I know it's always a mess but Damian Harrison Her, Damian Harris going undrafted um, he's he's at least intriguing to me especially in best ball leagues obviously in redraft leagues you're not going to have to pick him up unless something happens unless some news comes out with Sony Michelle during the offseason obviously but he's someone who I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on because Sony Michelle had all the opportunity in the world last year and he he did not look good the the weeks basically where he didn't score a touchdown he was more or less unusable the entire year so he's someone who I'm at least going to be keeping tabs on and trying to get whatever information we can get out of New England, although sometimes that seems like a, a losing battle to begin with. But Henderson, I'm 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 out on. I think Akers comes in, he takes over that backfield much sooner rather than later. I don't care the coach speak coming out of Sean McVay right now, because if you were that confident in Henderson and uh Malcolm Brown, you don't go and spend that draft capital on Cam Akers. So unless Cam Akers just completely fumbles his way through his his rookie season, I think he takes that over sooner rather than later. Do I see him getting, you know, 75 to 80% of the touches? No, but I think Henderson is going to be relegated to strictly handcuff um, territory, you know, I mean, once, once we get into the season. Uh, you already touched on Tony Pollard. He's someone who's super interesting with you know with his background and how he looked last year. So 
those are the guys I'm looking at. And and as far as Justice Hill goes, I think he might be a sneaky dynasty buy, or at least you might not even have to buy him. He might be one of those guys, if especially if you're not playing in a you know in a deep roster kind of league, he just might get dropped. He might be one of those guys who just you know gets cut in in order to make waiver claims in the in the middle of the season. So he's someone who I'd be looking at just in terms of like a, a kind of a, a stash and like a very cheap to f- basically free kind of pickup in your dynasty leagues with Mark Ingram probably only having one more year there, and then he would be you know what I mean the the two to Dobbins uh, going forward after 2020. I don't have any interest in Justice Hill. Uh, I just don't think there's any path to relevancy um, unless a bunch of injuries happen there. And then Jamie Harris, he's tough to judge. Uh, I mean, I can't, it's crazy. They spent a third round pick on the guy, but they only gave him four touches all year, like four touches. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully he gets more opportunities this year. Uh, you know, they still have Rex Burkhead there. They still have Sonny Michelle, James White. So it's still a crowded backfield. So um, right. Anything could happen with them, so we'll have to monitor to kind of see how that situation plays out. But right now, I'm, I really want to come away with at least Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard and then take a shot on Rockwell Armstead. Let's go ahead and jump over to the wide receivers because this is a pretty big group, so we're going to try to check with this. Because, I mean, this this whole entire group of rookie wide receivers crushed last year. Because basically, I mean, you have A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, Darius Slayton, Deontay Johnson, McCole Hardman, Marquise Brown, I mean, and it, the crazy part is, is that, you know, Nikhil Harry was a first round pick last year, and he's like the complete forgotten man of this entire group after one mm-hmm. year. We'll talk about that. We also had Preston Williams who flashed. I mean, there's a lot of guys here in this group uh, to talk about. So let's go ahead and, and start off with A.J. Brown, who is going 40th overall, 404, wide receiver 16. For me, it's a, it's a pass. Uh, I'm passing on A.J. Brown. I know a lot of people like A.J. Brown, and I see the upside there. My biggest issue with A.J. Brown uh, is more so that that I don't think that he is going to be as efficient as he was last year, and I am not all in on this offense, people thinking that this offense is going to be as good as it was last year, especially down the stretch. So with all that being said, because there's some concerns as well, like even in the playoffs, like A.J. Brown wasn't like uh, a target hog in the playoffs last year. Not at all. they, They were going after Corey Davis more. And stuff like that. So I'm not 100% sold on A.J. Brown at this point. I know a lot of people are. But wide receiver 16, there are some wide receivers that I would much rather have than A.J. Brown. I would much rather have Calvin Ridley, who's going after he is. Um, so I mean, guys like that, I would much – Tyler Lockett's going after he is. I would much rather have those guys than A.J. Brown. Um, I just think there's better value there on the board at wide receiver 16. Despite, like, he last year, he averaged 13.6 fantasy points per game, played 72% of the snaps, 84 targets. Uh, he had 20 deep targets and 447 yards yards after the catch, which is six motes in the league. And, I mean, that's where a majority of his, 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 his production came from was right there. He also had nine touchdowns, 52 receptions, 1,051 yards. 3.46 yards per route run, which was second. 12.5 yards per target, which was second. 20.2 yards per reception, which was third. I mean, that is some crazy efficiency, and I just don't know if he's going to keep that up. I, I think Ryan Tannehill turns a little bit more back into a pumpkin. So that's, for me, why I'm a little bit lower on A.J. Brown. If he were to fall a little bit, maybe go wide receiver 20 range, 21, I'd probably have be a little bit more interested there. But at, at current value at wide receiver 16, that's just too much for me. Yeah, I agree. We we got a bunch of guys to get through, so I'm not going to add too much here. Just the just the fact that like you you mentioned Calvin Ridley, Tyler Lockett, um, Adam Thielen is going after him. Much rather have him. Calvin Ridley, you already touched on. Even Robert Woods, I th- I'd rather have Robert Woods and AJ Brown. Cortland Sutton, I think that starts to get a you know a, a little a little iffy there. But the uh, the next guy on our list, I would absolutely much rather have than A.J. Brown, and that is D.K. Metcalf. Um, he's going 50th overall right now at 502 as wide receiver 21. Um, and he, he's a guy who I'm I'm expecting to take a take a big step forward this year. I think he kind of becomes the the 1A instead of the the 1B or 2, which you know a lot of people kind of viewed him as last year. We saw the uh, we saw Seattle start to use him in more creative ways in the second half of the season, and the dude is just a baller. So for me, I'd much rather have DK over AJ Brown, who's going a uh, going around after him and wide receiver twenty one versus wide receiver sixteen, as you alluded to with uh, with AJ Brown. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm much more on the the boat of DK Metcalf. Um, I I like that a little bit more. 
especially in the fifth round where you're starting to get some of that value as well, especially if you go running back early. If you get a measure like your RB or wide receiver two, uh, wide receiver three, I, I feel pretty good about that. So, you know, if you look at his numbers last year, you know, they, they, they speak for themselves. He averaged 11.6 fantasy points per game, played 87% of the snaps, uh, was a team that did not throw the ball. So, you know, hopefully we get a little bit more, um, excuse me, offensive usage, 35.3 pass pass plays per game, which was 22nd in the league, had, had 100 targets. 900 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, 653 completed air yards. He was he was solid. So we'll see how he does in year two. I do think that he's, again, going to be the wide receiver two and going to be that alpha X wide receiver in that offense. Now, there is some reports that they are interested in Antonio Brown. Russell Wilson wants the Seahawks to sign him. Antonio Brown, uh, that they, they want him to bring him in, which I don't know. I think Antonio Brown could end up being on, come back this year. Like He is kind of kept out of the limelight. He has not done anything stupid in a while. He has kept his mouth shut and kind of flown under the radar. So he, I could see him coming back this year. I mean, and Seattle did bring in Josh Gordon, try to give him another opportunity. So I could see them bringing in um, Antonio Brown. And I think you could probably get him for pretty cheap because, I mean, Antonio Brown has kind of, uh, you know, ruined his uh, his value. So I don't know. I think that'll be something to monitor, which would really crush uh, DK Metcalf if they did something like that. So let's go ahead and jump on to the next guy. And that's Terry McLaurin. Uh, F1, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he was, he's, he's going 58th overall, 5'10", wide receiver 24. So he, you know, he was, especially early on in the year with, with uh, Case Keenum, he averaged 13.7 fantasy points per game, played 98% of the snaps last year, which I think if you headed into last year and you told people that Terry McLaurin was going to command 98% of the snaps and then um, he was also going to get 23% of the targets in that offense. People would have laughed at you because a lot of people weren't super high on Terry McLaurin heading into last year. I'm sure there, I know there are people that were, but like he was not somebody people were like pounding the table for that, uh, that Terry McLaurin is going to be a, uh, a beast. And he did from her jump. I mean, you could see it even in the preseason, you could see, okay, this dude is legit. This guy is the real deal. And I mean, he crushed it last year. Now he struggled a little bit with Dwayne Haskins, which, you know, of course most people are, Dwayne Haskins, I don't even know if people are really sold on Dwayne Haskins moving forward, but I love Terry McLaurin this year. And if he's going around late fifth, early sixth, like I'm all about that. Even with, uh, you know, year two of Dwayne Haskins, I think this offense gets a little bit better. Hopefully, you know, in year two with Dwayne Haskins. So, and the, the, Alex Smith could end up being back the year, this year as well. So, which, which you know, is, is, an, is another option there. But I really like Terry McLaurin, and I have no problem taking here at wide receiver 24 in the 5'10", you know late fifth, early sixth. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good spot for him. And if you look at what that offense did, like obviously brought in um, Antonio Gibson. going to be interesting to see how they use him in that offense. Um, but other than that, man, like they they didn't really add anything else. Obviously, Steven Sims, who kind of came on at the, the end of the year, is still there. And we obviously he's someone we can talk about a little bit later. Uh, Calvin Harmon, who just completely shat on the hopes and dreams of a lot of guys who had him as like wide receiver one early on in the process, but they really didn't do too much to to add anything else to that to that receiving core. So he's 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 clearly in there as the uh, as the wide receiver one, and he's going to be getting that volume. So not uh, not too much else to add here. No, for sure. I mean, he was also number, he was actually number one in the league. At six with sixty eight point four contested catch rate as well. So, regardless, like I said, I love Terry McLaurin. We're both in agreement with that. Debo Samuel going sixty first overall, six oh one wide receiver twenty six. So they're going very very close. Uh, Debo Samuel, I am a pass on. I'm not sure. And where where are you at? Where do you come in on Debo Samuel? Either I'm frozen or Cody's frozen. One or the other. I'm gonna just keep going because uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there with that. I have trouble with Debo Samuel uh, a little bit here. I look at him and I see somebody who has 12.4, 12.5 fantasy points per game, which was 35th last year, 72% of the targets, 32. Uh, you know, a team that likes to run the ball. He only ran a route on 74% of his, uh, 74% of the time while he was on the field, 81 targets, 18.1 target share. I don't know if that changes all that much with him, to be honest with you. They went out and added Brandon Ayuk, which is another uh, another player that's going to be involved in the offense. You know, George Kittle is still there. There's a team that's still going to want to run the ball and lead on that defense. And so I don't love Debo Samuel going at wide receiver 26. Like, I think I would rather see him go a little bit later than that for me. So with that, like, I, I'm probably a pass at 61st overall and wide receiver 26. Yeah, I think you're kind of taking him at his uh... – 
like at a ceiling there. You know what I mean? Like that that is going to be some uh, that is going to be an offense that's going to want to lean on their running game. Debo is a stud. I I do love him, but I'm I think the the addition of Ayuk helps him with someone that's going to be stretching the field, but in a run first offense with somebody like George Kittle, who's going to command the targets and the target share that he's going to get. The only way that this is going to that this is going to turn out much better for Debo this year is if that that defense just takes a complete step back and that running game isn't as efficient as it was last year. So I, I don't have a problem with him there, but that just kind of feels like you're not going to get too much more value out of that spot. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I just am not in love with that spot, I guess, for him. So let's go to the next one. And the next one is uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown. And I was actually really surprised that he's going as high as he is. 69th overall, 609. That's a hard pass for me for Marquise Brown, uh, you know, at that range. Like if he was going eighth or ninth round, I'd probably have a little bit more consideration for him because I do think that, you know, another year in the offense, he showed flashes last year. But I think that's what he's going to end up being. Like I, I'm not sold that he's going to end up turning into a reliable wide receiver one, wide receiver two type guy. I think he's more of a, when are you going to start him? You know, struggle, you know, coming up with the weeks that he's actually going to, you know, produce. And so this is an offense that wants to run the ball and, you know, with Lamar Jackson, his ability to run the ball. Like I just don't love it for Marquise Brown and going that high in the sixth round, like, no, thank you. I would much rather take Darius Slayton, who's going much later than he is. I would much rather have McCall Hardman, who's going later than he is. And we'll, we'll talk about those guys and a lot of other guys before I get to Marquise Brown, like, I just can't do it at that eighty. No, me either, because he's not. I don't. I don't see him even without the the weapons that they do have with Duvernay, with someone we 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 might touch on here a little bit with Miles Boykin, obviously with Andrews, and then the run first nature of that offense. He's just not going to be anyone that you're going to be able to rely on volume. Will he have? <clears throat> will he have his weeks where he does see a, an uptick? Of course, but I don't think that's someone you're going to look at who's getting a steady you know, eight, nine, ten targets per week. So I, I was also surprised whenever you uh, whenever you dropped that in our Slack chat. I was uh, I was super surprised that he was going that high. So I will also pass on on Hollywood at that price. Yeah. So I guess we both agree on that one. So the the next couple of ones for me. Now this is a, this was a tough one for me, and I was surprised that I ended up picking what I did. But that's Deontay Johnson, eighty fifth overall, eight oh one. I love Deontay Johnson. Like I've been, I've talked about him as like a sleeper all off season. And I feel like people are catching on almost borderline seventh round, 85th overall. It, that's a tough pill to swallow to take him right there. Like I, I would have felt much better if he was going ninth or 10th round. Like that's kind of, I think the better spot, but as the off season goes on, I can see myself warming up to him more because I, if I remember right, I, if I remember correctly, he led the team in targets last year. And so th- there is a lot to like with Deontay Johnson and I think with Big Ben coming back, and if Big Ben can actually stay healthy and return to being the guy he was a couple of years ago, like there's a lot to like with Deontay Johnson. You could even maybe consider that as maybe too low for, for what he's going to be because they certainly can sustain two wide receivers in that offense. We've seen it before with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster um, before Antonio Brown went nuclear and so and you know got traded and everything. So uh, that's certainly possible. It's the range of possibilities right now. And I mean, you have the wide receiver three, which I don't know if that's Trace, Chase Claypool, you know, Mapletron, your boy, James Washington or whatever. But right now, I think Deontay Johnson is kind of locked in as that wide receiver two. I, I, but I, right, as of right now, where I stand today, I just feel like it's a little bit too high. Again, as probably the offseason goes on, we start to learn more. And if we find out that Big Ben is looking like, you know, Big Ben of old, he has, has no limitations and no setbacks. I could probably see myself talking myself into more Deontay Johnson at this point. Yeah, man, I was super surprised to see that you... Uh, you... I have no idea what happened there. My computer literally just went black and completely turned off. But yeah, De- Deontay Johnson, he's going to be someone who's obviously... Like, it, it's not going to get any worse than what it was last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, you know, uh, under center. So I, I'm still going to be passing on him just because... That, like, that's just too early for me. If he was going another round or two later, I would definitely be in on that. But right now, it just seems like I, I know he's been getting some hype, but I didn't realize it was to this extent where it was going to be uh, it was going to be affecting his ADP already at this at this point of the season. Yeah, man. People love some Deontay Johnson, which I do, too. So I don't know. Uh, you know, ask me a month from now. My, my opinion could obviously change because 
I am all in on Deontay Johnson. McCall Hardman is the, or no, excuse me, Darius Slayton is the next one up, 94th overall. He's going 8-10, wide receiver 41. For me, I am a, I am a draft here uh, with Darius Slayton. Like, I feel like that's way too low for, for what is, to me, the team's number one wide receiver. Uh, he is a guy that, that really came out of nowhere. Like, not a lot of people were super excited about Darius Slayton, you know, heading into last year. Like, he was kind of, like, unheard of. For a, from from a lot of people, not maybe not Devi or Dynasty guys, but people, you know, redraft players did not know who Darius Slayton was. You know, I had some of them in and in, in preseason DFS stuff like that. But you know, with him, like he played seventy nine percent of the snaps last year. They threw the ball a ton, a forty point six times per game, which was seventh most. He had eighty three targets, twenty three deep targets, sixteen point six target share. I think that just gets better. I mean, he he still finished with 12.1 fantasy points per game, which was he was a borderline wide receiver three last year, eight total touchdowns, 740 receiving yards, 48 receptions. Like, I love Darius Slayton. And at wide receiver 41, that is ridiculously low. I mean, he's almost going as a ninth-round pick. And I, for somebody who, like I said, I think that he is the number one wide receiver. I think Sterling Shepard is the wide receiver two. Evan Ingram, there's a lot of mouth feet, but I think this is a team that's going to be throwing the ball a lot. They still don't have a very good defense. So I really like Darius Slayton, and I think that he could end up being a solid wide receiver, too, by the end of the year. The thing that intrigues me most about Slayton is just the fact that he plays a different role than anybody else does on that offense, right? Like, at the, at the beginning of that offseason last year, like, we were always joking of, like, what are they going to do? Are they just going to run, like, bunch sets out of the slot the entire time? Obviously, Slayton can play on the outside. He has a speed to stretch. The- now, Kev, let, let me ask you um, – in in a in an alternate universe where Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard somehow stay healthy for uh for sixteen games, would that um would that affect your your opinion on whether or not you would draft him at this point? If if we like let's let's even say fourteen games of both Ingram and Shepard being healthy. Because I know Slayton's been Slayton's been your guy for a while. Not really. I mean, it really doesn't affect me all that much. I mean, he didn't see – I mean, he was pretty efficient last year with what he had. I mean, he only had 83 targets, like I said, and he was damn near a wide receiver three. Um, just off that, I mean, he was 15.4 yards per reception, which was 20th. You know, fantasy points per target was 21st with 2.05. So, I mean, there's just lots of like there with him. And so I get his risk is already being baked into where he's being taken, right? And I feel like that he could easily finish much higher – than what his ADP currently is. And I think he ends up going somewhere right around there. And I think that is uh, probably not, I, th- I think that's the wrong spot for him. I think if he was going a little bit like, I think wide receiver 34, wide receiver 35, I think is a little bit more apropos where he should be going for somebody who pro- likely is the number one uh, wide receiver in this offense. So I really like Darius Slayton, like I said, and I think that his upside is immense and just as high as some of these other guys that are going way much much higher than one yeah all that all that makes sense and then it, it, it'll it be interesting to see if they are all healthy and what a what a healthy saquon barkley will look like in that in that offense as well who uh who do, who do you want to hit on next here well let's go ahead and jump over we'll jump over to mccall hardman uh who's going 101st overall 905 wide receiver 44 is one that i really had to think about i kind of went back and forth on it. i didn't really at first, I was a pass, and then I was, a, and then I, and then I started thinking about it even more, and so then I went to draft because I there is a range of possibility here that McCole Hardman ends up being a wide receiver two this year, right? I mean, last year he was seventy fourth overall with seven point one fantasy points per game, but his twenty point seven yards per reception was number one, thirteen point one yards per target was number one in the league. I mean, there is lots of like here. He ended up having six total touchdowns. Um, which was uh, 22nd in the league, but he only had 41 targets this year. And we're going to have to see how things play out with Sammy Watkins because, I mean, he is still there, and I don't think people are taking him into consideration. It's like that he's gone somewhat with, with his ADP right now. And, you know, with, with Tyree Kill, with Travis Kelsey still there, I mean, he may end up still being the third or really the fourth option. So, like, that's kind of what I was going back and forth with. The, the ceiling is certainly there for him. Sammy Watkins is, is a model of always getting hurt something always happens or he just doesn't do anything when given the opportunity like last year when Tyreek went down and he had the opportunity to be the number one guy he ended up getting hurt he gets hurt every year so there is a path to McCall Hardman being the number two wide receiver in this offense I think it should also be mentioned that you know with Clyde Edwards Hilaire so there's a lot to like there's a lot to like here with him and I think it 
in the middle of the ninth round, you're already baking that in. But at the same time, like if he goes any higher than that and he starts to go in like seventh, eighth round range, like I, I probably would be out on that because I, there's already been reports out there that McCole Hartman's going to have a bigger role in the offense. Um, I know they drafted somebody who was likely going to take or they want to take his role as a special teams guy, which I think people are reading into that thinking that he's going to have a much more expanded role in the offense, which I definitely think he will. I think he's going to have more than 41 targets this year. But where is that ceiling for him for this year? Like, is it 80 targets? Is it 70 targets? And with that, can he be as efficient as he was last year? You know, do they have two unicorns and two Tyree kills where there's ultra efficient guys? I don't know. So I like McCole Hardman. If he continues to go around the ninth round, I'm okay with it. But if he goes any higher than that, that that's when I'm probably going to start questioning it. Yeah, I'd agree. This one's this one's super interesting. This is a, a case where, like, for for best ball purposes, I I would I would hit draft here. But for redraft purposes, like 44, like th- this, like you said, there's he has such a wide range. Where if we fast forward to the end of the season, he was like a back end wide receiver too. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And it also wouldn't surprise me if he fell back to like that wide receiver, like 50-ish range. And you know what I mean? Just bumped up from from where he was last year. So for best ball, I do like that price. But for redraft, I I think I would uh I think I would pass on it. Hedge life. So the last one that I want di- to really dive really into, we'll talk about a couple other guys as well, because this is a big class, but uh Nikhil Harry is another guy that I really want to discuss. Um, he is going 155th overall, 1302 wide receiver, 62. I went back and forth on this. I think I'm probably gonna do. I'm gonna take a page out of your book, and I'm gonna live the hedge life here. And I probably could be cool with it either way. Welcome. Um, like if you don't want to take like his his value is already baked in. He's 13th round. If he doesn't work out, you drop and you move on. But I see the upside because there is the the path that he is the wide receiver one in this New England offense. He's somebody that like a lot of people loved heading into last year. Like a, plenty of people had him as their number one wide receiver heading into this year. And once he was drafted by the Patriots, people lost their minds. It was like, oh my God, Nikhil Harry is going to be a stud. Uh, you know, draft him, take him in a redraft, all this other stuff, right? Well, that didn't work out. He got hurt earlier in the year. He just didn't really ever pan out. And so even when he did get to play, like there was a couple flashes there, but it wasn't much, much of anything. And my biggest issue with him is how high can his ceiling possibly be with likely what's going to be Jarrett Stidham back there at quarterback. Now, we don't know that much about Jarrett Stidham. He did have, you know, he was okay in the preseason. But my question is, and I know Derek Brown, friend of the show today, was talking about him on Twitter. And my biggest thing is, like, really, what is his ceiling, though? Like, what is his path to being a fantasy-relevant wide receiver, right? Like I get it at 13th overall or 13th round, like that's already baked in. Like if you take him and he doesn't work out, cool. You drop him, you move on. And I get that part. And that, that does make sense. I just don't know how high it is. Like if, if Tom Brady, arguably, I don't think we have to have a debate if Tom Brady's better than Jarrett Stidham, even in Tom Brady at this point in his career. Like we don't have to have like so if they he couldn't make any of these guys outside of Julian Edelman fantasy relevant. I don't understand how people expect that Jarrett Stidham is going to come in and make that happen. Like, this is a team that's going to be leaning on the run. They are going to run the rock as much as they possibly can. They're going to lean on that defense. They're not going to be putting Stidham in situations where he has to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game. This is not going to happen. So I think that limits Nikhil Harry's upside. Now, if something happens to Julian Edelman, then sure, maybe he has a little bit more value. But for me, I just don't get excited with Nikhil Harry. Like, I see the path, and I think that there's certainly – um, upside there. If you want to take a shot on him, go for it. But I just think there's probably some other other guys that I would probably have a little bit more interest. In. Yeah, all, all that all that makes sense. Um, I mean, to me, like you said, the 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 price, right? Like it really doesn't matter. Like if he doesn't pan out, you you like you're not you're not losing out on anything. The only other guy that's there is Mohamed Sanu, and you know you kind of talked about how you felt about him. I think it was last week or the week before. Um, for dynasty purposes, he just seems to be like it's crazy how how quickly in what's supposed to be a long term game the guys have just completely given up on Harry and I haven't I I was not as as crazy as everybody else was last year in in terms of the the dynasty community on to kill Harry but it, he's basically being treated as a as a throw in at this point so but for but for for redraft purposes, going at wide receiver sixty two, I will gladly take a 
take a swing on that. I'll, I'll draft him there because at that point, it's it's all upside, especially in a best ball draft where you're not trying to figure out what weeks you have to start him or sit him. Um, and if something does happen to Edelman, then he's like, who else is going to be there? It's going to be the the tight ends that they drafted. And then Demir Bird, like, are, are you going to get, like, too too worried about that? I, I personally am not. So at, at his price, his price just – completely says everything for me and he's someone that I, I will be uh taking a shot on if if that's where his price stays i think it probably will i can see it going up a little bit but i don't know we'll see we'll see with him like i said like if you want to take him there i we don't have to go there. I, i've already said what no. i have to say so there's no point in saying anything else. <laughs> so uh the last one uh probably preston williams you know he's going 136th overall which is actually higher than what nikhil harry is and he's going at 1204 almost a full round ahead of him Nikhil, or, you know, Preston Williams is also a pretty interesting prospect who was, what, undrafted last year? Yep. And really, I mean, he played eight games before he tore his ACL, was a preseason beast, and just dominated the preseason. And then he came into the year, I mean, he wasn't, like, a completely dominant. I mean, he was never, so he had, he averaged, um, if you look at it, he scored double-digit fantasy points in five of the eight weeks that he played in the last week, actually before he got, when he got hurt, he actually was, which was actually was his best week, which is actually his only week where he was actually a wide receiver one. And he had uh, five receptions, two touchdowns for 72 yards in that game against the jets. But there's a lot to like here and lots to come away with him for, from him. And he's certainly somebody I know you really like. So I want to tell everybody what you like so much about Preston Williams. I'm certainly a, a draft here with Preston. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's someone that that I've been kind of pounding the table for early on. He kind of seems like someone who a lot of people are talking about, but like the the reverse of Deontay Johnson, like his price isn't creeping up at all. I think the the only thing that you could knock him here for is if Tua does take over, he might not get those those DGAF kind of throws that he was getting from Fitzpatrick, right? Like that would be the only thing that I, th- I think you can knock him on going from his 2019 situation to his 2020. But they didn't they didn't add anything in the in the receiving room. Obviously they traded for Brita, they brought him in, but in terms of weapons, it's still gonna be I mean, I guess Albert Wilson, if he's gonna be healthy, I guess he'll he'll be there. They used him a little bit early on until he was not able to stay healthy. But it's going to be him and Parker on the outside, and really that you know Gasecki patrolling the the middle of it whenever they threw him out into the slot into the middle of the field. So other than that, man, he has all the opportunity. He has nothing in his way. So for me, that's that's what that's going to come down to. And even though the Dolphins have improved that defense, I still don't think it's going to be a, a great defense by any means. So they're still going to have to have to throw to be able to uh, stay in some of these games. Yeah, the upside's certainly there, and he was actually. He got hurt. I mean, he was kind of the guy, right? And Devontae Parker hadn't really broken out yet. It took really Preston Williams to, for Devontae Parker to fully break out. I, I do think there's a lot to like here with Preston. Some of these other guys that, uh, I mean, we don't need to really get into, but do you have like a couple late round, really late round wide receivers from this group that you didn't even have any interest? In? I know you've talked a lot about Paris Campbell. I think that, you know, we've talked to some of these other guys, but for me, I, I do know that I have some interest in Andy Isabella, which is absolutely free right now. He's going 240th overall. Miles Boykin, who's going 195th overall, which is pretty much undrafted. I think both of those guys are interesting late-round flyers. Andy Isabella was a second-round pick last year, just never really got much of an opportunity. Now, it's going to be tough because he's likely going to be the number four wide receiver, right? And so to his path to relevancy would end up having to probably be something of you know, an injury or something like that. But I like Andy Andy Isabella a lot. He had two, like, really big, like, you know, vividness bias plays last year where he scored on long touchdowns. But I like Andy Isabella a lot. He's not somebody – he's probably somebody that I would let go undrafted, just kind of keep monitoring. But I like Andy Isabella. I think the the, the Cardinals definitely run a, t- a lot more for wide receiver sets this year. That's something that they really wanted to do last year. They just didn't have the personnel – or the offensive line for that matter to be able to do it. Now with DeAndre Hopkins added into the offense, like I think that even even more so opens things up for guys like Andy Isabella to get deep. So I like him. And then Miles Boykin is another athletic freak who, you know, if if in the event that the the the, the Ravens have to throw the ball more, I think there's some intrigue there as well. So kind of guys that I would just keep an eye on. I wouldn't go out of my way to draft them. And then 
Hunter Hunter Renfro, I, I still don't understand why he's going at wide receiver fifty eight. I know that's pretty late, but I I just think his his value is pretty much kind of dead with the addition of Henry Ruggs. Darren Waller's still there. I think he can be somewhat relevant. Tyrell Williams is still there, but he's he's certainly not as exciting as I think a lot of people were going to be about him had they not went out and added all these. Yeah, so the the guys that I'm excited about, I've been talking about Paris Campbell a lot, so I'm I'm not even going to go into him here. Basically, he's at, at in the fifteenth round, he's he's more or less free. Um, so he's he's someone I'm definitely interested in. Um, Steven Sims, we touched on him a little bit with Terry McLaurin. He came came on toward the end of the year. And again, it's a situation where they they don't have much. Sims is uh, being drafted at two thirty two overall. So again, another another situation where the dude is free. Um, he's a full full PPR leagues. I'm I'm interested in him. JJ Ortega Whiteside. He's man. It seems like he should have the opportunity yet again. Um, there was there was a report that came out that he was he was banged up pretty bad I guess was having trouble walking around in the morning because of how injured he was so if he can get healthy um, I think Alshon Jeffrey he's he's a he's a pup candidate right to start the year wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't with the Eagles at the end of the year and then you basically have Rager and the uh, and the tight ends there competing for targets uh, Boykin you touched on uh, he's he's someone who I was never too infatuated with. He seemed like one of those guys that everyone was talking about just because of the uh, because of the combine where he completely blew that up. But the combine didn't match his his tape at Notre Dame for me, so I was I was never too into him there. But you know, if if that if the Ravens defense takes a step back, the running game isn't as efficient as it was last year. Maybe that opens up more targets, and Boykin should be in a position where he he might be on the receiving end of of some of those. Other than that, man, there's there's really not too much here. I mean, Hunter Renfro, j- go home, like stop it. This this isn't a thing. Maybe if they didn't go out and make all those additions, but you know, you you had yourself a nice rookie year. Enjoy it, and uh, you know, go go back to being a gym teacher because I think uh, think your time here in the NFL is is more or less over. I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. I don't know if I'd say that, but I just don't think his his uh, upside is nearly what uh, what people thought it might have been heading into. We will season. never talk about him on this show again. We'll see. I don't know about that. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know. We'll we'll see. I don't know. But <laughs> anyways, um, other than that, I don't really have any other anybody to talk about. You know, Ola B C Johnson. Who's going completely undrafted? Uh, he could end up being the wide receiver three, possibly the wide receiver two, depending on how things pan out with Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. But you know, I, I no, I, I probably don't have much interest there now, unless something happened to like Adam Thielen, who is getting older. If something were to happen there, then all of BC Johnson could end up being somewhat intriguing, though he had opportunity last year and never really did much with it. While Adam Thielen was hurt last year, so we'll we'll see on that. And then you know, Steven Sims is a guy that I think some people have some interest in as well. And Washington possibly being the you know the slot wide receiver there in Washington. But other than that, like that's pretty much all I got for for these guys. Um, do you have anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap this up? No, just the the fact that uh, whenever we had Kent Wyrock on last week for the first episode of the the front lines of fantasy, he did allude to the fact that I guess there are some reports coming out of Minnesota that it seems like they want Olabisi to be the number two and for for Jefferson to be the number three which would not make sense to me. But the thing that kind of has me questioning it is just the fact that it's Zimmer, right? Like if there's any court, if there's any coach that's in the league right now who would do something that dumb, just based on the guy being a rookie and being like a run first offense, this would be the situation. I, I would think that Jefferson's talent beats him out and he's not, you know he's the distance he's the distant wide receiver three old B C Johnson that is but I mean there just because it's Zimmer there is that chance that we see B C being the the wide receiver two for you know m- maybe half or three quarters of the year yeah we'll see I hope not but I, I hate Mike Zimmer to be honest with you like he just I don't know he's a correct coach correct uh, just jerks off over you know run first offenses all all all, all day but anyway on yeah, that note. <laughs> yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up the show for uh, for this for this week. I uh, really appreciate everybody checking it out. We appreciate all the support. Um, again, you can uh, tune in on Thursday Night Live as we have Eric Ludwig 
on from the fantasy footballers um, to episode two of the front lines of fantasy podcast where he was actually a former surface warfare officer in the Navy. And so I really look forward to talking to him, kind of talking about his experience, especially as a, as an officer and everything else to kind of see how that worked out for him and yeah, his experience in the Navy. So we'll keep that going. And also uh, there's all kinds of links in our, you know, at FF underscore authority on Twitter, we are raising money for the wounded warrior project to kind of give back there. So if you, you know, if you would go so kind of, even if it's five bucks, we'd, we'd, we'd greatly appreciate anything that anybody can help us out with. I think we're at like $70 right now um, in terms of donations. So we're trying to raise up to a thousand dollars for the wounded warrior project over the next two months. So anything will be greatly appreciated. We really appreciate all the support that you guys give. And I think we're going to be doing some t-shirt giveaways and stuff like that to also kind of give back to the community as well. So really appreciate everybody tuning in, hit that like, hit that subscribe button. Um, you know, if you're on your podcast, you know, leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out. It helps us grow. And we got a lot more content planned for the upcoming couple of months because we're going to win some goddamn championships this year. Uh, and if, if you don't, I don't know. I mean, you, I'll come up with something that, that I will give you if you don't win a championship because of our knowledge, because that's how confident I feel with what we do here. We just win championships around here. So drop them dubs. I think that's the end, man. I, I think we get out of here on that note. All right. Well, until, until Thursday, you can Drop find me on Twitter up. at FantasyRath13. You can find Cody at CKutzerFF. We will see you again on Thursday. Have a good rest of the short week. And peace. We hope you enjoyed your stay. It's good to have you with us. Even if it's just for the day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.